Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Hi, Pastor Mark Pro. Uh, that'd be a boring series. <laughs> Actually, might not. <laughs> anyway, the great exchange, trading up with God. Trading up with God. What we don't realize are the things that we possess that we might think are not good things in the eyes of God are incredible things. Because Jesus came to trade eternity, salvation, mercy, grace, all of the things that we need in our lives that we could never buy but we could trade for. See, Christ purchased everything that we would need, and now he comes and he says, I want to trade you. I bought everything that you want, but I need everything that you don't want for everything you do want. I know it makes no earthly sense whatsoever that what God was asking for when he sent Jesus, he said, look, I've come to give you salvation if you'll trade me your sin. Well, that doesn't sound like a good trade. It kind of sounds like that God's saying, look, I'll give you a 2017 Bentley for a 1963 Nash Rambler. And some of y'all don't even know what a Nash Rambler is. And you don't need to know and you don't want to know. Any of you remember the days when, for some reason, an automaker thought it was a good idea to put push button on the dash as a transmission? How uncool. I remember we had a 62 Valiant as a kid. It's like, can you say, hey, honey, get in. Click, hit drive. There's nothing cool about transmission being shifted by push buttons. That's why they don't make them anymore. And so God comes and says, I want you to trade up. But the problem is we don't see the value in what we possess. The greatest value you possessed in the beginning was you were a sinner and you needed God. And God says, exactly what I want. I want you to trade up. I want you to give me your sin, your sinful behavior, your sinful life. That's all I'm asking for right now. It's the beginning of everything. When I was a kid, uh, we grew up in, a, in kind of a ghetto neighborhood. And uh, in Oklahoma, it would be equivalent to Compton in California. And, and so, you know, you, you just grew up. You know, carrying guns around when you didn't, you didn't have to get a gun license. Everybody just had gun racks. Remember those days? And now you got to register them. No, you just go buy one, buy one, you know. So we grew up in that kind of neighborhood, and we had bar ditches. Okay, now some of y'all don't know what a bar ditch is. You just grew up in the city. A bar ditch is the stupidest thing ever created because if you run a car up in there, it's totaled. It's like three feet deep, okay? So we used to go hunt pop bottles because the poor people called us poor. And so my dad worked 16 hours a day. And, and so we, we as kids, you know, we didn't get an allowance. Some of you kids now come to your parents and you're getting an allowance. We didn't know what an allowance was. It's like, we're going to allow you to live here. That was my allowance. <laughs> you know, you, if you went in with palms up, you better be praising Jesus. That's what you better be doing in my house. Because there's no handouts. So we'd hunt pop bottles. And they would, people driving cars, you know, they'd be drinking like Pepsi or Coke or whatever. And they'd throw bottles. You know, now we have aluminum cans and stuff like that. But now, in my day, we had pop bottles. And you could redeem the pop bottles for a nickel. 
You, so what we would do, we'd go get down in that bar ditch, and we'd be digging, you know, like rains would come. They'd be muddy. There'd be snakes down in there. But, but you know what? In, that, in bar ditches all over my community, there were dollars and $10 and stuff laying in ditches that nobody even saw, but we saw them because we were poor. How many of you know when you need something, you get creative? You start thinking, how can I get out of this? Well, you got, we got out of it by getting in the bar ditch. And cars would drive by, and they'd just throw their bottles out the window, and they were throwing a nickel a shot, you know. And we just gathered, and we had wagons. And actually, we got so big as an industry that we actually found a pop bottle rack one time. We had our own pop bottle rack. You know, the things you slide those bottles in, we had one. We were the only business in my community with one. And, and we would go, and we would pick those bottles up, and, and we would take them home, and then we'd get the water hose, and we'd wash them as best as we could. We'd take them to the corner store, and that which was in the bar ditch, one minute we exchanged from money in our hand the next. But you got to want to get rid of what you got in your hand to get what God has in his hand. Amen. See, we hang on to stuff because we put our trust in the stuff we can touch instead of our trust in the one who touched us. So we hang on to stuff, and God's saying, you know, you can hang on to that, but I got better for you. Now, let me just tell you, some of you are in jobs right now, and God's been trying to get you out. You complain about it. You don't like to get up on Monday. Tomorrow, Monday, I got to go to work. And God's saying, you don't have to. I got better for you, but you don't trust me. You're taking what you got in your hand instead of what I have in my hand, and you can keep making a living that way, but you may not make a life. You see, in 1981, I had a great job. Had a great job. Matter of fact, I had one of the best jobs of the day. And, and, and I remember when God spoke to me to, to quit that job. And I'm thinking, God, you gave me this job. Let me tell you something. Sometimes God will give you things for a season because he has a reason. But when the reason is over, it's a new season. And God said, now I want to give you something better. I trusted you with that in that season. But now I got something better for you. But you don't see the value of what God has in his hand that's bigger than the value of what you have in your hand. And so I would go to the corner store with those pop bottles, and, and to the people that drank them and threw them out the window, they had no value. To me, they had value. To the store owner, they had value. And to Pepsi and Coke companies that said, we want to recycle those and reuse them, they had value. See, a lot of people have failed to see the value of what is in the bar ditch of their life. And said, I'm going to find out a use for this. And so when 1981, when God told me to quit that job, I'm like, man, God, what's up? This is a great job. I mean, I had benefits. I had all the stuff. I had my Corvette. Oh, let me tell you, we just got to pause a moment here. I'm telling you, God's hand was all over that car. And so were mine. But that car was like my job. It, it was for a season. And God said, Mark, I want, I want you to be willing to trade up. What are you willing to let go of? What are you willing to trust me with? See, the challenge is we come to the end of a season and we don't realize it. We keep trying to hang on. Now, we're going to have winter this year, believe it or not. You've got to be ready for the season. You've got to be ready to get your winter clothes out. You've got to be able, ready to change clothes. You've got to be ready to get, get warm for the cold. And some people will... 
do their very best and I always you know when I see people not wearing coats because they say it's not cold they just trying to be tough I look at football players playing in Green Bay with, with sleeveless and I'm thinking do you think you're tough the rest of us just think you're stupid <laughs> put something on man it's cold outside and so some of you are coming to the end of a season now, your season had a reason, but God is saying, now I want you to exchange what you had for what I now hold in my hand. You see, Israel had a difficult time while they were in Egypt believing that God had someplace better for them, that there was a land called promise, and it was the promised land that God said, I'm going to give this to you. Do you remember that many people got mad at Moses because they said, why didn't you just let us die in Egypt? They had gotten accustomed to the old way of living, and they had embraced making bricks every day and getting beaten, but they got three square meals a day, and they thought, this is as good as it's ever going to get. And some of you have bought into that, and people have accused you of being a dreamer, which guess what? That's what Joseph was. It worked out pretty well for he and his family. You just keep on dreaming because your season had a reason, and it's coming to an end. Why? Because God's got a new season, and he has a reason with the season, and you're getting ready to see some things you've never seen before, but you've got to let go of what you've had to get what God has for you. Turn to Isaiah chapter 61, one of the most famous passages of Scripture in the Bible. We see Jesus in the New Testament reading from Isaiah, and he's saying, a new season is coming upon you. New things are about to happen before you. But before new things happen before you, new things have to happen in you. The Bible says that we're new creations in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away and the new have come. Some of y'all got to get rid of some stuff. I don't know how many of you still have a shirt that you're hanging on to because it's your favorite shirt, but it's got holes in it now. And you need to go through your underwear drawer. We know nobody ain't watching, but you need to go through it and believe God for some new skivvies. All right, now... That's for somebody in here. I don't know who, but that's for somebody. You got to get rid of some old stuff to get a hold of some new stuff. Now, I got just a little bit too much estrogen in me because I like to shop. I'm one of those strange guys that you get me near. I have yet to meet a mall I don't like. And so now I have a policy. If I buy a shirt, I got to get rid of a shirt. That's hard to do. That shirt had a season, and I look at some shirts, and I still haven't figured out the reason. <laughs> what was I thinking when I bought that? That's just ugly right now. So, so you have a hard time. You stay in Egypt. You stay where you're at because you're comfortable with where you're at, and it no longer has any gloss or glow. It has no joy, but you're so familiar with it that you can't let go of it. You've been driving to the same job for 20 years. You haven't liked it for the last 18 and a half. But because you got used to it, you keep going there. And you know what? God wants you to be happy and joyful. God wants you to find peace in what you do. He wants to, to, you to find fulfillment in what you do. He wants, he wants you to have purpose in what you do. Because I'm telling you, you can live without a lot of things, but you cannot live without purpose. 
You cannot live without purpose in your life. You've got to find the reason that you're on this earth. You were designed and handcrafted by God to do something. And some of you have yet to find out the something you're called to do. When I was with Southwestern Bell all those years ago, loved the job, loved what was going on. But I'm telling you something. This was what I was born to do. And I'm telling you, when I told my mom and dad this is what I was born to do, they are born-again Christians, but they didn't think it was what I was born to do because my uncle had been a pastor, suffered sorely from nervous breakdowns and other things that pastors deal with because not everybody likes us. It's just true. I, I'd like to think you do, and I know that some of you in here, you don't even know why you're here. I don't know. I don't even like him. It's all right. Just sit down. Shut up. It'll be all right in a minute. All right. Now, <laughs> I'll be done. You can go out happy knowing that you came. But see, you've got to find joy. See, I just find joy in this. If, if you didn't show up, I'm going to find joy in life. Because every season of God comes with the glory of God, the power of God, the purpose of God. You have to stay in that season for the reason you're there, and then you move forward. You know what? My children are all grown. Glory be to God. They're just all grown. I never thought I'd see the day. Now, they still call and ask for money, but they're grown. Our generation, baby boomers, you call and ask for money, your dad would hang up on you. He'd be like, who is this? I don't have a son named Mark. Click. <laughs> Nowadays, they come home to roost with you again. Hey, hold it. This ain't the season, and let me give you the reason. I'm tired of funding your silly life. All right, now. <laughs> you can say it more politely than that if you want, but sometimes you just got to get real. Isaiah 61 the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Sovereign, all authority. Not just the spirit of the Lord, but the sovereign Lord. And he is sovereign. He is, is, is Lord of all in total authority. And it says he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Now we're not talking economics here, finances here. We're talking about the poor in spirit, the people who are stuck in a season without a reason and they're messed up and jacked up from the neck up and don't know why they're ha unhappy, depressed, and, and life is not good. I've been there, done that. And depression is subtle and it's deceitful and it's from hell and it's because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can steal your joy, he can steal your strength. If he steals your strength, he can steal everything else. This section gets it. I don't know whether it's just curving that way or what, but he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Psalm 5, 12, for surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. The NIV, NIV, NIV says, or abundantly. 
He said, I don't want you just to live life or exist in life. I want you to live more abundantly. I want you to live a full life. I want you to wake up every day like Tigger. I know it's not in Scripture, but that's what I believe it means. You need to find a way to have a skip in your step, a smile on your face, and hope in your heart. There's got to be something working in you that you say, God, I'm, I'm trading my sorrows for your joy. I, I'm trading my chaos for your peace. I, I'm trading my fear for your love because you said perfect love casts out fear. I'm not living under the dominion of darkness any longer. I've been delivered from it according to Colossians chapter 3. I no longer live there. Some of y'all are playing Eeyore. You've got to get rid of it. Everywhere you go, there is a cloud over you. You wonder why you don't have any friends? Hi, how's it going? Well, it's another day. Not so good. Oh, yeah, I want to hang out with you all the time. Not. And then you find other Eeyores, and then you create an Eeyore small group. And your theology is God's coming back, and he's ticked off. That's the way a lot of churches are today. God's coming back. I can't wait till he gets to those happy churches. I just can't wait till Jesus shows up and shows them how miserable heaven's going to be. They're going to pay. They're going to pay. That doesn't exist in the Bible. In his presence is fullness of joy, not fullness of sorrow and depression. In his presence, we find his strength, his radiance, his glory. I'm preaching to me today. If you ain't getting this, I'm taking yours. That's the way it was at dinner at my house. If you didn't get your pork chop eaten in a matter of time, it was fair game for anybody. Taking it. Stab that right off your plate. If your hand gets in the way, I'll stab your hand. <laughs> see, sometimes you just got to reach out and grab hold of the glory of God. Somebody else ain't getting it. So next time you see somebody unhappy, just go, well, you know what? If you don't want your happiness, I'm taking it right now. <laughs> see, some of y'all going to leave here happy, and you're going to feel bad that you're happy. The devil going to say, you shouldn't be happy. You're behind three months on your mortgage. You shouldn't be happy. No, just take a Red Bull, sit down at the mortgage lender, and say, I'm just here to smile at you. I just want to get to know you because we're going to be living together when you repo. I ain't going nowhere. I'm not sure that's going to work, but it's better than crying. I'm getting to where we're going. Uh-huh. And the day of vengeance of our God. Now, this is an interesting part of this sentence. He goes from saying to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. I'm like going, hold on, hold on, hold on. Why? Because the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. 
You know how many people are bitter, not better, because you're holding on to somebody else's. You've got a grudge against somebody or you got bitterness against somebody. And God said, if you let go of that, it belongs to me. He said, if you'll take your bitterness and unforgiveness and the people who have wronged you, I will deal with them. But God can't deal with them until you give them to him. That's how come it says, pray or bless those who persecute you. You start blessing those who persecute you, see what God does. And you know what? It won't matter what he does because you won't care anymore. I'm not asking you to ask God to do it. I'm just saying God said, I'll tell you, he might repay them with blessing because you release blessing on them. Because some of y'all are like, okay, sick them, God. And while I'm praying it, could you bring back leprosy? <laughs> Looks like a good punishment to me. And provide for those who grieve in Zion. Now, to bestow on them. To the, the word in the, in the Greek or Hebrews, position them with a crown of beauty instead of ashes. So today I want you to think of instead of. This is the instead of message. Instead of being depressed, I want to be happy. And instead of, of being fearful, I want to be loving. Instead of being depressed and, and life in chaos, I want to know joy. What is it you want to trade today? What is it you want to give God today? What is it that is holding you back every day from living the abundant life that Jesus is talking about. Because Jesus quoted Isaiah in Matthew and John. He quoted him and said these words. I'll bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. He said in other words I will exchange your ashes and I will give you beauty. And I will exchange with you your mourning and I will give you gladness. I will exchange your heaviness, your spirit of despair, and I will give you a garment of praise. Now, the Message Bible says, I will give them bouquets, and I, I did the dictionary pronounce, pronunciation, I was just, this is bouquet or bouquet. It's okay either way. I promise if you, okay. <laughs> Messages of joy instead of news of doom. Now, this is Old Testament stuff, folks. This is not like this new wave of New Covenant, New Testament. Isaiah is saying this is what God has always wanted. But we didn't have a carrier of these things until Christ came. That's the reason we have to accept Christ to experience these things is because he's the carrier of beauty. He's the carrier of gladness. He's the carrier of praise. And until you get him in you, you can't exchange. You've got to exchange to get these things in your life. You can't go be around being mad at the world and being happy at home. He said, I've given, not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. He said, I've given you all the tools you need to live the life you want to live, but you've got to give me the life you've been living in order to get the life that you want to live. 
The trouble is we spend most of our life complaining about where we are instead of talking about where we could be. Never forget sitting in my attorney's office about two and a half years ago when I was in the darkest time of my life. And he's a great friend of mine. He's been a great ally and everything. But, but when I said, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, you know, and, and actually it wasn't even that long ago because I was, I was thinking, well, what do I do with my life? Do I start another church? What do I do? And, you know, he's a nice guy, but he's an attorney. Need I say more? I have attorney friends, and they'll tell you, Mark, we're just not liked. I said, praise God, you're in front of preachers. Anyway, so, so he looked at me, and he said, ah, you could probably, you could probably start a church, get a couple of hundred people in Oklahoma City. Real encouraging. You know what I'm saying? It's the kind of guy you want to hang out with and do dinner with, play four and a half hours of golf with. But, but I hear these words, and I'm thinking, hold on. You're not Jesus Jr. I don't recall him telling you what to tell me. I'm going to go straight to the source. You're a resource. How many of you know you want to go to the source instead of the resource? Source has more power than the resource. So when I went to the source, he's the one that says, that's where I told you to be. Now, I just left California yesterday, and i got to tell you, there was a time I went to Jesus. I said, are you sure? I mean... Folks, come on. We live on the plains. We have no beach. We have no mountains. And this is Tornado Alley. We are the strike zone of bad weather. Yes, indeed. I get on the plane and say, how many of y'all going to Oklahoma City? I know it's on your bucket list. I hope you got a hotel room. <laughs> kind of tough getting one this time of year, you know. Tourism's at an all-time high. Oh, but we love it. We do. Because we're not sitting on the five for three and a half hour commute <laughs> in L.A. Okay, now, bouquet of roses instead of ashes, message of joy instead of news of doom. A praising heart instead of a languid spirit. No, let's talk about the great exchange. The beauty of the rose brings glory to the gardener. The beauty of your life brings glory to the gardener. The beauty of your life, when you walk around like you're victorious, even when maybe you're not being that victorious, it confuses hell and the hell out of people. It confuses people and it confuses Satan. He goes, what are they so happy about? They're three months behind on their rent. They can't pay the electric bill. And you're walking around like a multi-gazillionaire. Hello, little Bill Gates. <laughs> Why? Because you have traded your distrust for trust, your hopelessness for hope, and you have put your faith in God instead of living a life of fear. God is going to take care of you. There's better than Egypt for you. It may take you a while to get there, but you have to stay on the journey. There were people who wanted to quit in the wilderness. Why didn't you just let us die in Egypt, they're saying to Moses. And Moses, in his mind, is going, I know where I'm taking you. I know what God has for us, and he has to keep leading a bunch of whiners. If I would have been Moses, I'd have said, strike him, God. Give me the whole land. Well, maybe. 
I'm thinking Moses wanted to, but then he intervenes and he intercedes. Why? Because he knew where they were going. I know where we're going, folks. I know what Mosaic Church OK is going to be. I'm telling you, the beauty of this is going to bring glory to the gardener. Because guys like me are not supposed to come back. But let me just tell you something. I'm kind of like a wart. We will grow on you again. I don't really like that analogy, but it's already recorded. I'm sure we'll get cards, letters, and emails, and everything else now. I'm just going to let this play out. My son and daughter-in-law came over about a month ago, and you guys know I'm, I'm, I'm just a type A. I like, I like my car clean, though right now it's dirty because I didn't have time to wash it before I got here this morning. I know it's a weird thing, and I'm not saying it's even godly. It, it may be something that God wants to work on, but I, I, he hasn't told me yet, so I'm going to keep cleaning it. <laughs> but I also like a manicured yard. I just do. Yeah, and then, then I move in, and the house next to me goes into sheriff's sale. <laughs> Looks like the Munsters' home. And if you don't know who that is, just Google it. It's one of the great TV shows of all time. And I'm thinking, God, this is a test, so I keep my joy. But, but I, I like those things clean. I like it manicured. Like a, so I have, I, have, and I have my flower beds are pretty. They're watered. I have plants. I'm hanging plants. I know it's a little frightening. I like to shop, and I like plants. But... <laughs> God made me to like beauty, beauty for ashes. And so my, my, my daughter-in-law comes in and goes, who, who does your flowers and flower beds? And, and I probably should have said God, but I, I, I'm the one that waters them. He, he hasn't really done a lot of watering this year. So anyway, thank God for last night, okay? Cool. So, but all that to say that you know, it's just like, what she's saying is, I see what you've done. I see the beauty of your flower beds. And, and you know, a life that's given to God and surrendered to God and obedient to God is a life that brings glory to God. It brings glory to the gardener. When people see the beauty of your life over the ashes of your past, and we all have one, let's face it. And when people see that you're still smiling, you're still laughing, you still have joy, when it looks like you've lost everything, but you can still hold your head up high and you can say, glory be to God, the latter shall be greater than the former because I'm going from glory to glory. My God is that kind of God. Some of y'all just need to hold your shoulders back and smile and act like what's going to happen has already happened. That's called faith. Speaking those things that are not as though they were, as though they've already happened, the Apostle Paul said. Sometimes you just got to talk yourself into your future. Declare what he's declared. He told them about the promised land and they had never seen it. They couldn't take a selfie or an iPhone shot. He had to get it in their heart and mind that there was a land flowing with milk and honey. They understood that language. Got to begin to see.
the new season in your life. And you've got to rejoice in that season. It's going to look different. It's going to sound different, smell different. I mean, the beauty of the rose is not just the beauty, but the fragrance. In 2 Corinthians 2, it says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and though and through us spreads everywhere. Listen to this. The fragrance of the knowledge of Him. Man, when you walk into a forest, you smell the roses over everything. And this bouquet of roses, not only is your life going to take on beauty, but it's going to take on a fragrance of hope that when people get around you, you become contagious. They can no longer talk bad or down or sorrowful because you're looking and saying, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. They look at you strange, but James 1 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because he has stood the test. He will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And it's said that in the Old Testament they would put on sackcloth and sprinkle ashes on their head in, in, in reflecting the sorrow of their soul and the difficulty of their moment and the season. Historians say that in this passage, it's Isaiah's literally saying, instead of ashes, I'm going to put a crown on your head. You'll no longer be crowned with the ashes of despair, but I'm going to put a crown on your head with beauty. People are going to see it. When you get born again, you get the crown of righteousness. The difficulty with getting born again is this. You go from being nobody to somebody. Because now you're born into the kingdom of God. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. we got to start acting like it. He's not the God of just enough. He's the God of more than enough. And your mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, must give way to M-O-R-N-I-G. Your mourning will give way to mourning. It says in Psalm 30, verse 5, His anger lasts for a moment, but His favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may go on all night, but joy comes with the morning. Amen. Secondly, he says, the great exchange is the oil of gladness instead of mourning. Now, the oil in the Old Testament was a prized commodity. Even in the New Testament, it was prized. Oil was something very special in Bible times. They used it to prepare people for burial. They used it medicinally. And they also used it for beauty purposes. Theologians say that when they put oil on, their skin would glisten. Now... Some of y'all in here do essential oils, and right now you're so excited that your pastor's talking about oils. I'm about to increase your business by 17.5%. But they did prize oils in that day. How many of you know that when, when you can tell when someone is not really doing well before they ever open their mouth? Your countenance gives you away. You tell the story. We can tell the downcast look on your face. And you're not even aware of it because your soul is sending messages to every muscle in your face and saying, you know what, your life sucks. And it's never going to get better. 
And that's just the beginning. And this is why faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want to improve your countenance, there are ways to do it. You put yourself in a position, you, not everybody around you. Don't expect everybody to make you happy. Some of y'all are looking for somebody else to make you happy, a job to make you happy. No, let me tell you where joy comes from. The will of God. The presence of God. Doing what God's called you to do. Be be where God's called you to be. Doing what God's called you to do. Being in the right season of your life. You can find joy in that. You can find gladness. Gladness is not the result of what somebody does for you. I don't want the pressure to have to make you happy. How come I drink Red Bull? No, if somebody says, well, you know, I'm, I'm just not happy with you. Well, why don't you be happy with you? If you get happy with you, you'll be happy with me. The reason people ain't happy with you is they ain't happy with themselves. The reason they can't love you is they don't love themselves. Love your neighbors, you love yourself. Happiness, gladness, joy is all born from within, not without. It's not your responsibility to make me happy, though. You, you feel free to assist if you'd like. Don't be mean. Happiness is not what is happening. It's how in how we process what is happening. John Izzo says there are five thieves of gladness or happiness. Number one is control. The future cannot be controlled. It can only be experienced. Some of you are basing your joy today on what may or may not be tomorrow. Tomorrow is an illusion. It doesn't exist. Until it becomes today. Tomorrow is something we talk about. And that we would hope to see. But the reality is it may not be. All I care about is when Jesus comes back. I just pray my mortgage is due. My credit cards are charged to the full. Wouldn't that be great? I got a house payment. Electric bill. And Dillard's card charged. And when you're on your way up say. See ya Dillard's. All right. I hope that's not wrong. (laughs) Control is one thief. Conceit is the second thief. It makes life a contest by always comparing with others. With the Apostle Paul says, don't compare yourself with other people. But the reason we have no gladness is we're always looking around to see what somebody else is doing so we can keep up with the Joneses. And if you're a Jones in here today, I'm not talking about you. It's just that saying. You'll go out all offended. I'm talking about me today. It's conceit. I want to compare with you or be better than you. And that's not what life is about. You'll never be glad if you're comparing yourself with others. Third, coveting. It takes away our capacity to be grateful because we're not thankful for what we have because we're looking at what somebody else has and we want what they have instead of rejoicing in what we have. This will help you. You're moving into a new season and there's a reason. And some of y'all are going to be better than you ever imagined. I'm telling you, kid, you right now, if God told you what he was going to do, you would probably need an ambulance. No, let me tell you something. God is going to do stuff that you can't even think of right now. Amen. You can't imagine it right now. And, 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 and you say, well, what do I have to do to get there? You have to be willing to let go of what was Grab what is, go from the old season to the new season because there's a reason for the new season. And you got to move into that. Get happy with that because it's going to be awesome. Mine's going to be awesome. 
You say, well, I, I have no idea, but I just know it's going to be great. The Bible says we're going from glory to glory. That, that's what it means. We're going from glory to glory, from where we are to better. Okay, four is consumption, connecting your happiness to stuff. doesn't mean you shouldn't have stuff. It's just the stuff's not responsible for your happiness. You're happy so you get the stuff, not, not because you got the stuff. You get, you get happy and God says, okay, you're already happy. This won't mess you up. Some people, if you got stuff right now, that would become your happiness. And if it got removed, you wouldn't be happy anymore. You're looking at a guy who knows how to stay happy regardless. Now, I can't tell you there weren't moments that, there, that I wasn't. But I just, I, I just confessed myself right into it. I just kept praising Jesus, spending time with Jesus, and praising God. That's How come I look a little silly down here on Sunday mornings? I'm up there. I'm just like, I turn around and watch some of y'all, and you're going, what? Look, if you just get happy and worship, watch and see what happens. No, really, we should be. I mean, I, I, I've seen nightclubs happier. Yeah, you've gone to a lot of churches where you see people going, why are we here? <laughs> Friday night, Saturday night, the club, we don't care. <laughs> we here. <laughs> Play it again. And some of y'all have never been to a bar. So you're like, well, don't go because you'll get happy. <laughs> I'm not saying it's righteous happiness, but that's why they call them spirits. <laughs> anyway, so we only have one spirit. We're contending with multiple spirits out there. Trust me, you just want one. Kind of like a spouse. All right, now. Moving right along. The last. <laughs> this was not this bad at 9.30. Y'all just silly. <laughs> in a good way. I mean that in the best way possible. <laughs> silly for Jesus. Consumption. Okay, did that with comfort. We're hardwired for routine. That's why you stay in the season you're in. Is because <clears throat> you're really not glad. And the oil has dried out. And God's saying, bring me more containers because I, I want to pour my oil in people who are willing to let the oil be poured in. Yeah, some of y'all, you're like, I mean, this is the bizarre thing about being here. And again, and, and I, it scares me when I drive up on that digital sign and see my face. I'm thinking they could surely do a better job photoshopping that guy. Those big balls make me look like I got zits. Anyway... <laughs> So you want your face on a digital sign. <laughs> there have been more reported accidents on Northwest Expressway this year than any other year. <laughs> what? <laughs> Remove the face. <laughs> Oil represented glistening. It's like they, they put it on for burial and all those things. In, in your face, your countenance glistens and glows with the glory of God when you're in the season of God. That's why you're all glistening today. You're right where you're supposed to be. Welcome to my neighborhood. <laughs> the last great exchange on this message is the garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. Now, Paul said we're to shine like stars in the universe in Philippians. That's the reason your countenance is as important as your words. Have you ever asked a mad spouse, 
Are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. Just drive. <laughs> There's a conflict there. And so we're called to create this continuity with countenance and confession and courage that, that we know where we're going. We're happy to be going there. And our confession says, bring it on, God. We trust you with everything in us. Garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness or despair. And it says after that, rename them. Rename them oaks of righteousness planted by God. Listen to this. To display his glory. Let me tell you all something. I built a big church. I didn't come back to build a big church. I came back because I have a big God who deserves all the glory. And here's what I believe. When you get around people who are happy and positive, it's magnetic. People don't want to be told how sorry they are, how pitiful life is, and how the earth is going to hell in a handbag. Let me tell you something. There's going to be a glorious party when Jesus gets on that white horse, and that horse starts blowing smoke and fire out, going, let's go back and show them what we're made of. I'm going to be on that team. You're going to be on that team. And let me tell you, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to, to confess and declare He is God. So don't give up, don't give out, don't lose heart, don't get discouraged, don't get depressed. Keep your shoulders back, your countenance up, splash a little oil on your face. Some of y'all, just do it tomorrow. Just go get some coconut oil, just, just rub it all on you. And when you walk into the office... David, you be like glowing, just, and just dripping with oil. There'll be some anointing getting on you and some glisten and some glow on your countenance. They'll be drug testing you before noon. What's that on your face? It's oil. Get near me and you might get anointed. Go home today and go, man, I'm trading it in for whatever it is I got. So there's something better for me. Something better for me. God's going to do something better. My best days are ahead. The last days won't even be talked about because they'll be so forgotten because what God is doing now. Lift up your countenance. Lift up your confession. Declare what God's going to do, not what's happening to you, but what's going to happen through you when the Spirit of God is allowed authority in your life. No longer under the circumstances, but under the authority of God. Live your life that way. Let God have authority. He wants to do great things in you, great things to you, great things for you, great things through you. It's time for the great exchange. I'm telling you, don't let the sorrow have you. Don't let the sadness eat away at your life. Don't waste another day being downcast. I know you got circumstances. We all do. But you speak to them and say, you know what? I'll be here longer than you. And I will walk under you because the devil's under my feet. I walk under authority, not under the circumstances and conditions of this world. Let me tell you. I believe in the last days when he said, I will pour out my spirit. 
that he really means that in the Greek, the Hebrew, the Latin, the Spanish, the Italian, the German. I believe every language is all the same. We're going to experience the glory of God and the joy of the Lord and a peace that passes all understanding. If we'll just go season to season, he's got a reason. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Father, thank you that you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us. Thank you, God, for your greatness in us and the greatness that's working through us. God, I bind the devil in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. And I thank you for the release for the prisoners who have been kept in darkness today, who have been hopeless, who have been bitter. Their bitterness is going to become betterness. And God, that we're going to become hopeful instead of hopeless joyful instead of depressed God in Jesus name pour your spirit out upon this place today God wants your sin more than he wants anything else isn't that strange please give me your sin that's what God's crying out today give me your sin I want us all to pray this and those are some of you that came here today that you, you just you love God you want God but you can't imagine that God wants you and you say, I, I've had 30-some years in this ministry. And I've heard people say, well, you know, I, I just don't have anything to offer God. It's where you're wrong. you got your sin to offer God. That's what he said. He wants you to call on his name. Well, all of us to pray this prayer. And those of you watching online, pray this with me. Say, Father God, Father God I'm, a I'm a sinner. And today, and today I repent of my sin. I, of I confess with my mouth, you are the Lord of my life. Today. I'm a follower of yours. Amen. Amen. Amen.